Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Hey, welcome to Live Free Church. My name is Levi. You've probably seen me around here. I'm a pastoral apprentice. Um, you know, we're still looking forward to the day that we can actually meet in person. That is still the plan. Um, that is still why we're here in Kelowna. And I really love the name Live Free. And not that it's just a name, but the fact that it actually kind of stands for something. Like when we say Live Free, Live Free Church, it's literally we want people to be able to live free, to live lives of freedom. And this verse that I'm going to be kind of talking about today in Acts it speaks to that freedom, and it speaks to kind of the grace of God and how he can renew us, but it also kind of speaks to who we are as the church, kind of where we're supposed to be moving as the church, and um, if you were with us last week, you heard from Todd, and Todd is on our board, and we're so thankful that he was here and gave us the message about um, the community of Christians, like this early church, and kind of who they were how they took care of each other, how they loved one another, how they supported. And that moves in to this verse today. So if you want to follow along at home, if you have your Bible, we're going to go to Acts 3, verses 1 to 10. And this is what it says here. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And just for a sec right there, um, Luke, who is telling us this account of Peter and John. Um, I think it's important to know that Peter and John, they used to be kind of devout Jews. They were under the law. They were following the Old Testament law that said you needed to pray three times, give your sacrifices. But they've experienced Jesus now, right? Like, we understand that Jesus has, he's died, he's been resurrected, and he came back to the earth for 40 days. He was preaching of the kingdom of God, and they understand that now, so they don't need to be giving their sacrifices. All the other Jews who are under the um, Old Testament law, they're still sacrificing. They didn't see Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't see him as a savior, but they do. So I think it's important and kind of cool that they're still kind of following their Jewish customs where they're going out for prayer, but I think they're going there because they want to be in prayer with God, and they want to be with these Jewish people who don't understand that prayer is a connection with God because of what Jesus did. And I think that's just a cool connection. And as it continues here in verse 2, it says, And a lame man <clears throat> from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. And this beautiful gate um, it's been described by an old Jewish theologian as being completely covered in copper and just this magnificent gate, 75 feet tall. And so you can kind of imagine this is where this man's laying. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that verse kind of goes along as well, if you were with us last week, that the um, early church shared everything they had. So that's, that's probably the reason why 
Peter and John didn't have silver or gold because the community was being spirit-led. They were one body moving on a mission, but he does have Jesus, and it goes on, and he says, he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So this lame man at the temple, he's at the beautiful gate. He has people that just carry him just outside. And I really think we can identify with him. Luke is telling us, Luke, the author here, is telling us about this account because Peter is probably going to be connecting this lame man to a sermon he's going to be doing that we'll be talking about next week where he's talking to the Jewish people about how they've crucified Jesus, who he was, but also the power that Jesus has in our lives. But this lame man is not feeling that power, and I think we all can feel this connection with this man. And Luke doesn't just tell us this so we can understand that there was a healing. Like, that in of itself is quite remarkable, right? The fact that Peter and John are filled by the Spirit. They're moving throughout this, um, well, their world, the early church, and they're empowered to be able to heal people, but to give them faith and to bring them into the community. Um, But I think a lot of us are like this lame man. A lot of us feel this brokenness like this man did who's just laying at the gate. He's outside the temple. He's outside the presence of Jesus. He's outside the community. He has zero hope in his life. Like, he's never had first steps. His parents could never experience this guy walking. He's never had hope of being a father. He's never had hope of being a husband, of having a job, of entering the temple. He's never had these hopes. He's broken, he's probably down, and the only thing he's clinging to right now at this point is the money. Is This one thing he thinks is going to bring him security, is going to bring him sufficiency, maybe going to take care of him to the next day. He's clinging to money. And we all are like this broken man, and Luke is showing us in a parallel with our lives how we can identify with him. And, you know, we're just grasping for anything that will bring us something that is sufficiency or stability. And I know for myself, when I was younger, um, I'm not that old, but younger, in my teen years, how I really put my hope and my identity and the fact that I wanted to feel important into relationships, right? And it wasn't just the fact that I wanted to have a relationship because, oh, I'm cool then, but the fact that I truly found identity in them. And if, it, if I wasn't in one, I had to be in one. I had to get into one because it brought me my identity. It made me feel significant inside. So after relationship after relationship, I'm just reaching for the significance that I'm not getting really anywhere else, I don't think. And that didn't change when I'm going into my marriage. My wife, who I was dating at the time, was probably another person who's just giving me significance. A person who I look to her, and if she was successful, then I'm successful. And that probably carries on to my marriage. And even now when with our business and my wife, is she's running our business, and I just want her to be successful because it makes me feel successful, makes me feel secure. That I'm reaching for this thing that's never actually going to satisfy because if I'm ever let down by my wife, or if I never get enough significance out of her, then I'm not going to be the person I'm made to be in Jesus. I'm going to be broken. 
And I'm looking for these things, and I fill my life with comfort. I fill my life if I'm maybe not having enough money, I'll go become a workaholic, or I'll work harder and look for more opportunity to make money because I'm just desiring this thing, and I fill my life with these comforts that really don't bring me any sense of renewal, of joy. I don't feel sufficient. I don't feel filled, and whether that's money, maybe it's food, sex, relationships, I just... I'm broken, and I'm filling, and I'm reaching for these things. Like this lame man, he's outside the temple. And I feel like sometimes when we're broken, we feel like we're on the outside looking in. We're on the outside, and we can't seem to get into this presence of Jesus that we've been talking about. And I think a lot of people can identify with this. You know, maybe it's alcohol or drugs, and it's easier to numb your pain. It's easier just to shove it away. It's easier to zone out because you don't want to feel your emotions. You don't want to feel that deep sadness, and that's what I've felt before in my life, that when I'm reaching for everything and anything but Jesus, there's this deep sadness that you just feel so insignificant, so worthless, that you don't know if there's a point to what you do, what, who you are, to where you're going, and Maybe it's depression and anxiety. The fact that I realize those are very real clinical things, but you're just reaching for the next joyful moment. You're just reaching for happiness. You're reaching for stability. You're not reaching for Jesus. You're not reaching for the thing that can actually bring us sufficiency, that can actually heal us. And in this account, there is a healing that Jesus can heal. You know, you've probably heard of, there's this analogy. I was talking with Colby the other day, and it's about um, how we're all cracked jars of clay or just jars, whatever. But the fact that we're cracked, the fact that all human beings are broken, the fact that we sometimes forget to live into the grace that God has given us, we're continually filling ourselves up with whatever's good for us whatever is immediate satisfaction. We're continually filling ourselves up with these things that aren't sufficient. And if you're a cracked jar, you're always being emptied, always being emptied, always being emptied. You're never full. You're never filled. You know, the culture says, our world says that you need to do whatever is good for you. This man, he got to the outside of the temple. But he couldn't enter because of his brokenness. He couldn't get to the community who was praising God. He couldn't get into the presence of Jesus because he was so broken in despair and there was no hope. And I think we're like that, that we stand outside the community because we don't think we can enter because of our brokenness. And culture saying, you need to do anything to fill that void. You need to do anything to make yourself feel significant. You know, if you need more money, go become a workaholic. Go take a second job. Go take more hours. Quit your job. Find a new one. Invest your life into work. If you need more sex, get on Tinder. If you need to feel important for relationships, just go be with someone who's not good for you. If you just need to numb your emotions, then you can do that. You don't need to feel. You need to do what's best for you. And just like cracked jars, we are continually emptied, continually emptied, and we never can have enough. We can never feel sufficient. And God is hurting over us, aching over us. 
In Ezekiel 36, 26, it talks about how God wants to give us a new heart, how we have these hearts of stone, how they're not even made of flesh and his, his new spirit. He wants to take that and break it and give you something that beats, that feels, that can see the pain but the joy and can see the goodness of God. He wants you to have his heart, have his spirit. That's the grace of God. You know, Jesus didn't go to the cross just so you can live in a life where you're feeling condemned, you're not feeling good enough, where you're broken continually, you're reaching for the things that are never sufficient. They're never satisfactory, and they can never fill you up. And Jesus just wants you to toss that jar, toss yourself into his river that's so overflowing. This idea of Jesus being a river, and if you're in it, you will never be emptied. You're always being filled. He's always sufficient. It's always running. Peter was able to give Jesus to this man. He name-dropped Jesus, the, the best name-drop in the world. And if you're feeling broken and disheartened, God wants you to have this new heart. I believe it's in Matthew 28, 11. And he talks about how, if you're weary, come to me for rest. Don't go to the world if you're weary. You're just going to kill yourself there. You're going to be burned out. You're not going to find what you're looking for because it's never enough. But in God, there's rest. His yoke is easy, he says. He's easy. You can find rest. You can find restoration. You can find love. And God is giving you that new heart, and you just need to jump into Jesus. As Peter says here, I have nothing, but I have Jesus. I have nothing. I only have Jesus. And that can take faith. This might be a bit frustrating for some of you because I know for myself, I want head knowledge. I want stuff that is going to be easy just to kind of think about and then maybe apply it. But the fact of the matter is that faith is life. That faith is like, yes, you can know something, but you need to do something. And um, my wife and I were going through this thing called soul care right now. And this guy, Rob Reimer, he talks a lot about actually kind of restoring your soul and emptying out these things that you continually grasp to. And if you um, would be interested in that, send me an email. I have them, Levi at Liffrey.church. But he talks about how we can know God, we can know his love, we can understand that. But a person who never really understands the love of God is always going to be an unlovable person, he says. You're always going to be a broken person outside the love of God, outside this flowing river of Jesus. And that takes faith, that takes prayer, that takes intimacy with God, being face-to-face with him. And that's hard, that can be tricky, but that's where you're going to find sufficiency, and that's where you're going to find that grace. That grace that Jesus has given to us on the cross, his leading of the Spirit. And what I love about this passage is that The fact that Peter and John, they understand this love. They understand this intimacy with God. They're going to pray to him. They want to be with the community telling people about Jesus. And they know they're broken. Like like Bob said, that Peter denied Jesus three times and a little girl called him out. That was probably his brokenness, his despair, but he understands the love of God. And as the church, when we understand this grace, we understand this love then we can offer our faith to those outside our gates, those outside the temple, outside the presence of God. This man had no hope. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know this new reality. And there's people like that in our lives. Who is outside our gates as the church? We've understood this grace, and why aren't we giving it to every single person we meet? 
This man was an outcast. And what's kind of interesting is Peter and John and even Jesus, they've probably been to this temple before. Like they may have seen this man there before. But why now? Why now? And it, uh, it says here that while well, the man's at the beautiful gate seeing Peter and John, he sees them. There's something different about them. Why does he see them? There's probably a ton of people there. There's probably a ton of people going up to the temple with their alms. And of course, he picks the only people that don't have money or anything. But they must have looked different. They must have looked like they're led by something powerful. Because he sees them and he calls out to them. And when they come over to him, in this man's shame, I'm sure he looks down. He does not want to make eye contact because, you know, beggars, they don't really make eye contact with the people that are going up to the temple. It's just if some people feel like being generous, they'll give them some money, right? So he's looking down in shame, but Peter and John, as a representation of the church, as this new community of faith that we heard about before, they come and they say, look at us. Look at us right in the eye. Peter and John see this man outside the temple, outside the community. He's an outcast. He's feeling broken. He's in despair. There's no hope. And they go in, they enter into the situation with love, with compassion, and they stare him directly into the eye, something that probably no one has done for a very long time. And they actually see this man. They love him. They want to know him. And they offer him Jesus. It's not that Peter can heal this man, but he can, he can offer Jesus. He can tell him about the thing that Jesus did to restore us so we're not clinging to the things of the world. The church has that knowledge, and we have that grace, and why aren't we living it? We just need to see these people outside our communities, outside our door. Like, I know when I go downtown, and this is horrible of me, when I'm walking downtown, and if I maybe see a homeless person, I'm, I'm going to do a wide swoop because I don't want to acknowledge the fact that there's brokenness, that my city's not okay, that people here need Jesus, that that can actually be on me, that I can participate with God's action in this world. Or maybe it's a friend, and, you know, I do this with my wife, and she has really bad eczema. And oftentimes she'll tell me about it, how... She's just hurting and in pain, and she feels like there's no way forward, that there's no hope, that maybe God's not actually caring there. And because I'm used to the narrative, I can tiptoe around the conversation. I don't actually enter in like Peter and John did and spend time in love, get to know my wife, and to comfort her and to point her back to Jesus. And there's people in our lives who need that that they might come to us for help, for prayer, for something, but we just, we don't want to enter in because it takes effort, right? It takes work. But the fact is that we have this grace from Jesus that we have new hearts, and our new hearts should be for the people outside the gate, and we've been restored in Jesus. There's no excuse to give the truth to people because we're scared or we're too tired or we don't want to enter in or we don't want to get involved. You get involved and you love people well. And there's action. I love that there's action here that Peter doesn't just say, be healed in the name of Jesus. He says that, but then he reaches down. He picks him up by the right hand. He literally pulls this person up, and then he's strengthened with the community. 
And what's it say? This man is leaping and jumping for joy, and he doesn't just go on his way. No, he continues into the temple. Peter's faith, it wasn't the man's faith on the ground, the lame man. He didn't have faith. He's hopeless. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know the Spirit. He didn't know the heart of God. Peter did, and his faith brings this man into the temple. He brings him into the community, brings him past that gate into the presence of Jesus, into the healing power of Jesus, into the Spirit-led life. And everyone is amazed. Everyone's astonished. Everyone sees the work of Jesus. And that needs to be our churches. That needs to be our homes. And that maybe isn't what it looks like right now. The government has said we can't meet in our physical churches. But that means we can't have more of Jesus. No. We can have all of Jesus. We can have as much as we need. We can give that to whoever is around us. Whoever we need to love well today. And I just want to ask you, like, if you're this broken man, If you feel broken, you're outside the temple. You feel outside the community. You feel like you're an outcast. You're not in the presence. You don't know what's going to heal you. You're reaching for everything in life that's never satisfactory. There is rest in God. And that takes faith, and that might be hard. You might need people alongside you, like Peter here, to pull you along. But his yoke is easy. He can give you a new heart, one that beats with him, his spirit. You can know his leading, his love. And that's really all you need to know is his love, that when you know you're fully loved by God, that is renewing. Then you're in the stream with Jesus, always being filled. You're always feeling like things are sufficient, and you're renewed. Even when life is hard or is beating you down, you know there's sufficiency in Christ. Just ask for that. Ask for him. Look for someone who can be maybe that faith. But as the church as well, if you are a part of the church, you're a Christian, who is outside your gate? Who are these broken people that your faith can maybe transform by telling them about Jesus? That because we understand the grace of God, that we can have new hearts. Because we understand that grace of rest, that love, that restoration, that we don't need to turn to anything and everything in this world that is trying to fill us up. But we can bring people into our community. We can bring people into our churches. We can bring them into our homes. And we can love them well. We can offer them Jesus. Who's outside your gate? I just want to pray for you today that you'll be able to be healed in Jesus and understand that healing, it never runs out. That if you're feeling depressed, it's maybe not going to go away, but you can find hope in Jesus. Your anxiety, maybe you find strength in Jesus. If you're looking for money or sex or drugs or anything to kind of numb the deeper issues, the deeper loneliness, that you can find sufficiency in Jesus and that as the church, we'd bring these people in. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you do give us a new heart and that you can give us rest from this world, from this culture where we're just continually looking for things to satisfy that might never bring us holy to be a full person, but that's only through you, through your love. And as the church, we know that grace, and I pray that we give that grace to others, that through our faith, maybe people would be saved. That we can give people Jesus, we can give them something bigger and better and more sufficient than what they're reaching for in life. And that we bring people into our churches, into our homes, into these spots where we actually have to enter into their lives and love them. We have to enter in and maybe get into the messy stuff with people's lives.
but everyone needs to know your love, your grace, your new heart, and your spirit, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.